one of our jobs as a CEO, Dr. Steven, is to identify the genius, but it's not enough just to identify the genius and, and delegate to that person. Next step, and this is the fifth step of delegation methodology, is then setting the expectations and agreements. Hello and welcome to the Remarkable CEO Podcast, a show dedicated to chiropractors who want to transform their job into a business so that they can have a remarkable practice as part of a remarkable life, not instead of one. With your hosts, Dr. Pete Camiolo and Dr. Stephen Franzen. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. I'm Dr. Pete Camiolo along with Dr. Stephen Franzen. How are we doing? What's up, Dr. Pete? Excited for uh, another awesome episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. So, Dr. Steven, go ahead and tell us tell us about your morning. I know I know that it was a good one. Well, just before we started recording, uh, I shared with Dr. Pete, I started my day, the, my favorite way to start the day, which is in the ocean, uh, which, you know, to make it even better, we had beautiful surf. We had perfect conditions, but I had my son, Sammy, my 15-year-old with me, and my good friend, Dr. Sebastian Bonham was out there. Sabo was out there with us. So what a blessing. He came in from Puerto Rico uh, to do some filming actually in the studio this week, and we were blessed with awesome surf. So I got to warn you, I'm going 100 miles an hour already, fully charged, excited for an awesome episode. Hey, listen, not everybody gets to start their day with a board meeting, not like yours at least. <laughs> That's awesome. Really excited for today's episode as well, Doc. Um, Today's a special day for us and our family. My son, one of my kids, my son Ryder's fourth birthday, which actually is a perfect setup for our conversation today because it was actually a pregnancy with, with that child, number four, my son Ryder, that actually really exposed a lot of things in my world where systems, uh, we didn't really have the systems in place. And that is the conversation of today. You know, Doc, I think you know a lot of chiropractors, they would say that they're on mission. But the question I would ask is, are you really on mission or do you just have a dream? I think the difference between a dream and a mission really is systems. And that's one of the things that we say is that, you know, a vision without systems is a dream, but a vision with systems is a mission. And that's what we're going to talk about today in today's episode is how do you turn your vision and your goals and your dream truly into a mission? And we're going to talk about that today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, my moniker is I'm the systems guy, right? And that systems guy reputation, I embrace it uh, because ultimately systems help us create predictable outcomes, right? And um, that's what we all want. We all got into this for the same reason, right? We want to see predictably better outcomes over and over. It's going to be reproducible, not just by ourselves, but by our team. And I love that differentiation between a dream and a mission. Think about it. If you take it from the, let's say from the, from the military perspective, a mission is, Hey, you know what we are, our objective is we're going to take that hill. And this is what we're going to do to take that hill. This is who's going to be involved. This is exactly the path we're going to take. This is the equipment we're going to need. This is going to be our strategy and our tactics, right? And here are our contingency plans, plan A, plan B, plan C. And everybody on the team needs to know exactly what's going to happen, right? And if we, you know, if this, then that, like there's a plan in place and it's essentially comes down to having those right people on the team that are equipped with the right training and they're doing the right work the right way, right? So ultimately, this is what systems are all about. You have to have systems. If you don't have systems in place, then you know what? You get to do all the work yourself because you can't possibly delegate to anyone else. You know, when you think about what the reality is right now, right? We all live with the tension of how things are, what is, and we all live with this tension of what it could be and then what it should be. And the difference here, Doc, is that when we live with this tension, when we actually put a system together, we actually distribute that tension through the system. 
And that's where we actually, we, we start to experience greater levels of freedom. That's where we experience greater levels of creativity. That's where we start to come up with solutions to problems that the world is facing today. Because let's face it, reality is when it comes to health, things aren't going well on earth right now. And as chiropractors, we would all agree that we have been entrusted with, I think what I would call not a good idea, not a great idea, a God idea. I believe we have a solution for humanity that is beyond even what we can even imagine. And we, we have, that's a mission, right? To, to be able to reach humanity with that. And so I get, I get the reality of where we are right now, but I also know, I believe it's not only what could be, what should be. And that conviction that comes with that has to be distributed, that tension through systems. Otherwise, doc, you live with a lot of frustration, can lead to burnout and it could lead to selling out. And we don't want that to happen to any of our brothers and sisters. I don't want that to happen to me. Yeah. I mean, at the essence of this remarkable CEO program is that two-step process of taking your job and turning it into a business and taking yourself and transforming yourself from that owner operator to the CEO. And I look back to my days as the owner operator where I was building my practice and running my practice on brute force, just pure horsepower, my horsepower, right? And I didn't really need systems because I wasn't trusting anybody else to do anything. I wasn't delegating anything. I hired a bunch of people to work around me, my assistants, while I did the things. I did the stuff, right? I got it. Put it on my back. I'll squat it. But if I want to grow, I'll just learn how to squat more and I'll get stronger, right? And, and it was just brute force. Well, the owner operator operates with that perspective and doesn't really have a value on systems, right? So if you want to make that shift from job to business and from owner operator CEO, you have to you have to embrace systems. Systems are the currency of that transition. It is, it's absolutely a requirement to be able to delegate to the rest of your team members. You have to systematize everything. Systems of attraction, conversion, retention, and team building you know, my own experience with it was, you know, I was experiencing a certain level of success, but it was at the, at the expense of my health and my happiness and my joy and, you know, my enthusiasm and excitement and passion. It was just unsustainable, right? It definitely wasn't scalable. I mean, I reached my limit and reached my capacity. And then it, of course, wasn't durable by definition because if I wasn't there, the work stopped, the value stopped. Uh, and it definitely wasn't transferable because who wants to buy your job? You know, I, Doc, I, you know, as you're talking, I'm, I'm remembering my story and, you know, I'm thinking about even my son Ryder and just, you know, his birthday and, you know, I'm going back into that, those moments. And you know, here I was, you know, years and years of seeing a thousand patient visits a week as a chiropractor, you know, saving lives, transforming lives, impacting, making a huge impact. And, you know, we had three children at home and, you know, we, my wife, and I, you know, we get pregnant with our fourth. And as soon as that happens, my wife, like, boom, like she hits the bed and she was out. I mean, down and out for six months. And, and I remembered that I had to make a decision as a husband, right? So this, this is where the rubber hits the road, right? Because we're talking to human being. We're talking to, on the other side of this line. I know I'm, I'm, there's a wife, there's a husband, there's a mother, there's a father, there's a brother, there's a son. There, there's human beings, like our lives. We talk about having a remarkable practice as part of a remarkable life and not instead of one. So it's about the remarkable life that you're after, that I'm after, that we desire. And so my life required me as a husband and as a father to show up. So I had a decision to make. I had three little ones, you know, children at, at home that needed a father. I had a wife who needed a husband. And then I had a practice that needed the doctor. And you're caught in that. And so what I chose to do at that time was to step out. I, I already had, Doc, 
associates. I already had, had had associates for years. I had a huge team. I had all this. But what happened was when I stepped out and I stopped being in the clinic as much and I turned it over to the team and I focused on my family, what happened was is I, my, my clinic began to, you know, in a sense, in my mind, fall apart. You know, the, the million, seven-figure practice and thousand-week practice started to shrink very quickly because I was not there. And what that exposed was I had built systems dependent on around me. That's right. What, a, what an interesting distinction, right? Built the systems around a team and around the mission. And that's what was the biggest distinction. That's really, Doc, and we're not going to get into our, both of our stories, the nitty gritty today, but, but it exposed the fact that you can have systems built around yourself that is not scalable that is not durable, that is not transferable. And that is what we've done is you've built a really good job, but that's not a business. And I was exposed by choosing to support my family in a time of absolute need. And it exposed my practice. Dr. Steven, here's the thing. I, when I turned and went back into my practice, you know, months and months later, and, and I had a choice. I could either pick it up and do it the same way I did it before. White knight rescuing it, right? Yeah, be the owner operator again and just pick this thing up or I could do things different. And I'm grateful that I chose to do things different. Yeah, I I mean, Pete, what your, your story illustrates is the absolute requirement of the doctor who wants to go from the owner operator to CEO to embrace systems. It just, you, you have to systematize everything because the key difference between an owner operator and a CEO functionally is delegation. The owner operator is doing, 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 doing. The CEO is actually delegating. <laughs> it's just a key distinction. So I think, uh, you know, for, for our docs who are looking to make this concept actionable, I want you to write that word down. It's like delegation. You have to become a master of delegation. You know, frankly, I look back at myself as an owner operator and I joke that I was a control freak, perfectionist Clydesdale, which is a terrible combination, right? And it got to a certain level of success, but it was totally dependent on me. And like you said, the system's built around me. And I, I said, you know what? I, I, that's not sustainable. That's not the life I want to live. And I recognized that I had to let go of that. I needed an identity shift away from the control freak, away from the perfectionist, away from that Clydesdale, just put it on my back, I'll pull it. And I had to create the identity shift of the CEO who recognized I had to become a master systems developer. I had to become a master team builder. I had to become a master delegator and then a master trainer. And Doc, here's what I would say too. I think a lot of times in chiropractic, that's what we've that's what we've emphasized. We've kind of put that person, the Clydesdale perfectionist, what you're describing, on the pedestal. Those are the people a lot of times that are could be on the stage. Those are the people that we aspire to become. And so we 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 chase after that, and then we quote unquote we become that, and then we then we quickly look around and say, this is not sustainable. This is not. I can't keep doing this. So I think, Doc, would you would you agree with me? You've been in this profession now for a while. That it, we have, in many ways, idolized or uh, you know identified as that that doctor who does that as being the the doctor of the future, or maybe the the one that you know you should become if you're a student or you're a young doctor, or you're growing your practice. I want to be that doc. We've done that as a profession, and there's an element of that that I think is good. Like, hey, you're on a big mission doing big things. 
But there are a lot of elements to that that are not good. And that's what I think as a profession, as chiropractic moves into a brighter future, I truly believe that the doctor of the future is a CEO and runs their business like a CEO. I truly believe that the clinics are going to be remarkable practices because they are built around not only the doctor having a remarkable life, but the team and then your, your entire community is impacted in a healthy way. Yeah, I mean, this is not a selfish pursuit, right? This is very much an on-purpose conversation. So ultimately, it's about scalability, which means reach. If we're going to really serve this mission and serve humanity, it can't be, we, we can't rely on a bunch of superheroes, right? So it can't just be a bunch of individuals who have their practices on their back. What we need is incredible and remarkable teams reaching into their community and making a much, much, much bigger impact. Uh, and, you know, what this is going to come down to is the CEO's ability to delegate, right? So I'd like to do a quick pass over what I call the 10 steps to delegation mastery because it, you know, it frankly saved my life. You know, the ability to become a master delegator is a skill set, right? So there's literally a system in the spirit of systems here that you can follow uh, where you can adopt this into your DNA. You can be like, okay, so I recognize that as the CEO, my responsibility is vision casting and making sure everybody knows exactly what success looks like. This is the dent we're going to make in the universe. And, and this, this is the difference we're going to make, right? So, and then it's based on that vision story, which is the manifestation of the core values of our business. This is what's important now, right? So it's the win-win what's important now and what's important next. In other words, this is what, what I want everybody to be focusing on now. And then this is what we're going to be focusing on next. Well, if you start identifying what's important now and what's important next, what's important now those aren't going to be just objectives. Those are going to be the activities that drive those objectives and outcomes, right? So this is where delegation comes in, right? So the 10 steps to delegation mastery, let's start with the first one, Dr. Pete. The first one is identify the specific desired outcomes. Like what are we trying to accomplish here? I mean, that's the first bullet on the CEO's, on the CEO's scorecard is the vision casting. It's what does success look like to us? What is that dent that we're making? That's the outcome that we're going to make. And so this is where we've defined, clearly defined the goal. What's the objective here? Where are we going? What is the difference that we're going to make? Can we quantify it? Can we measure it? Can we see it? Can everybody see it? The next thing we talk about it has to be compelling, not only for you, but so that the people who hear your vision as you cast your vision, they see it, which means to me, it's quantifiable. It's, it's measurable. It's documented. It's written down and it remains in the forefront of the business. So again, what does this mean to identify the specific desired outcomes? What is the objective of your business? What is your brand? What do you stand for? What's your core values? What's your premise? What is your vision? What's your mission, right? These are, you look at the large successful companies in the world, the most successful companies, what they've done, they have a clear premise, they have clear core values defined, they have a clear vision and they're at, they have a clear mission. And as a result of that, all the behaviors and everything aligns with that, the people and everything else. So Dr. Pete, I'm going to challenge us to really actually take it from 30,000 feet and bring it right to the ground, right? So how does this hit the ground? When you're doing delegation, it's great. Get their heart and their head around it. But now it's okay. Very specifically, what is the specific desired outcome? Let's say, for example, I want to see more new patients from outside talks. Boom. That's a specific desired outcome. Like Dr. Pete said, it's a measurable objective. It is, I want to increase the number of new patients that come from outside talks every month. Okay. That's a very specific des desired outcome. And then the next step, number two is 
identify the actions that produce that outcome. Okay. So I want to have more new patients come in from outside talks. For example, well, that means we need to do more outside talks. Well, most doctors would agree that you have to keep going back upstream because the bottleneck is not usually, you get a great chiropractor with a great message in front of a group of people, they usually get new patients from it. And that's awesome. Most of the docs that we talk to in our Remarkable CEO program is the challenge is not actually delivering the talk and compelling people to take action, but it's actually getting in front of those people. So the challenge is how do we get in front of more uh, opportunities to do outside talks, right? So the, the challenge is actually getting in front of people, like finding outside talk opportunities. Well, where does that come from? Let's go upstream further. It comes from new relationships that we form in the community. Well, how does, where does that come from? Well, from networking opportunities, formal and informal networking. Okay, boom. Now we've landed on it. We actually need to do more networking events where they're formal or informal networking events where we can create opportunities where the, the, through relationships and leverage those relationships into outside talks, spinal screenings, corporate wellness, et cetera. No, absolutely. So number two is identifying the actions that produce the outcomes. That leads perfectly into number three, which is apply the 80% rule of delegation. Dr. Steven, I know you and I, we talk about this regularly, but here's the thing. If you can find someone, this is the rule, who can do it 80% as well as you could do it, delegate it. Delegated. That's it. Man, this, this is came Dr. John Demartini, uh, who is such a big influence on me. I know you're a big Demartini fan as well. He taught me this early on, uh, and it was an inflection point for my career, is to release the control freak, release the perfectionist, right? And just say, listen, if somebody on your team can do it 80% as well as you do, delegate it. Okay, that was really hard, Pete, because, you know, excuse my French, you have to be okay with people sucking at things, right? So you might listen to somebody do like the opening or closing of a talk or a group report of findings or table talk or whatever. And in your head, you're like, oh, that sucked. <laughs> I could do it so much better. You got you to gotta release that and you got to love on that person, support them, train them and accept the fact that it was 80% as well as you would have done it. Delegate it because now you're sp spending all of your time on the 20 percentile that you are uniquely gifted at doing. God only makes geniuses stay in your zone as genius. And, and you'll see when we get to the, go through all 10 of these steps of the delegation, we're going to get back to when the person only does it 80% as well for you. That's only for a period of time. If you follow this, this methodology here, number four, Dr. Steven is identifying the best qualified team member. So actually identifying this person. Now question for you, Dr. Steven, is this person always on your team? Yeah. You know what? Sometimes you need to outsource this. Right. So I'm a big outsourcer and that's what CEOs look for. CEOs look for ways to outsource. <laughs> you know, it's just like, if you don't have somebody on your team, you don't necessarily have to hire somebody, contract somebody to do it. There are people who do very specific activities that produce very specific outcomes, contract them. They're much better at it than you are. So I look for that and it's like, okay, so I can use my money to buy your time, energy, and focus. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, one of the things that we, as we transition from being the owner operator to the CEO and really turning our job into a business is identifying and leveraging the power of the genius. Dr. Steven, we talk about that God only makes geniuses. Well, one of our jobs as a CEO, Dr. Steven, is to identify the genius, but it's not enough just to identify the genius and delegate to that person. The next step, and this is the fifth step of delegation methodology, is then setting the expectations and agreements. This is where, again, rubber hits the road. So it's not enough just to identify that person and then delegate to them. There's got to be some follow-up and follow-through that comes with that. This accountability that comes with delegation is absolutely critical. 
Yeah, I'll be honest with you, Dr. Pete, I'm showing restraint on every one of these bullets because I want to go for an hour on each one, which just tells me we, we're going to need to do a 10, 10 uh, episode series on delegation mastery because each one of these needs to be unpacked, right? So getting back to just number four, identifying the best qualified team member, um, we, we've got the next couple episodes coming up talking about people, right? And understanding the organizational chart, the org chart, the accountability chart, right? Scorecards, et cetera. We're going to give them tools, right? So we're going to be talking about specific tools that you can use to identify the best qualified team member, right? And then once you have identified that person to do that activity, you want to set the expectations and agreements. In other words, you want to make sure that they're super clear on what's expected of them. Exactly. Not just what the outcomes are. Those are goals, guys. You can't do goals. You do activities, activities that predictably produce the outcome you're looking for, right? So you give them a goal, which is really important, but then you tell them the exact activity or process, procedure, what have you, and then you equip them with training and scripting, et cetera, so that they can excel, right? So you set expectations and agreements. And man, um, you know what, Dr. Pete, the, 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 the truth is, is almost every long-term, successful long-term relationship in my life, I look back, those relationships always began with two things, which was clear expectations and honest agreements. So when we're delegating to our team members, Make sure that you're setting really clear expectations and making honest agreements with people so that they feel like, all right, I know exactly what success looks like. Yeah, I mean, this is absolutely critical. You know, there's two questions that I always say that every person is always asking themselves every single day is they're, they're asking themselves, do I know what a win is? And do I know what's expected of me? Do I know what a win is? And do I know what's expected of me? They're asking themselves this question. I, I am, Dr. Steven, you are. Um, we're asking ourselves subconsciously all the time. And so the way that we, we distill this down and the way we remove the interference from in that question, let, allow that question to be the answer, yes, which is what we want for every member of our team, is that we have clear you know, expectations. We have these honest agreements. These have been set and these have been established. And here's the thing. If there is any issues, we also have a framework where communication can happen or those can get clear because sometimes we lose sight of them. We get, we get, uh, it can get foggy. And so it's critical. And like you said, we can spend a lot more time in all this. That's number five. That's connected directly to delegation methodology number six, which is incentivize. Dr. Steven, the rewards and consequences. This is such a powerful uh, part of leadership is the incentivize because we're working with human beings here. Right? We're working with people that have desires, that have wants, that have dreams, that have hopes. And it's actually being able to look at each person as a human being and be able to specifically help them understand you have goals, you have desires, you have needs. And I want to speak to that. I want to support you in that. That's where the incentives come in. That's where you know, but even, even not only the incentives, but reward, but also the consequences. So this is a critical part as well, because we're going to follow up and follow through on what's been delegated. Absolutely. You, you know, docs, you gotta, you, you gotta listen to this. You don't get what you want. You get what you incentivize. Be really, really clear about that and be truthful with yourself. It's like, what am I recognizing? What am I rewarding? You don't get what you want. You get what you incentivize, right? So incentivize are positives and negatives, carrots and sticks, right? So everybody's got to know that these are the incentives behind you achieving these goals and reaching your objectives, right? And make sure that that's part of the expectations and agreements. You don't get what you want you get what you incentivize, right? So make sure that you have compelling rewards around those outcomes, right? It should be when the tide comes in, all boats rise, but the, the, uh, the consequences have to be equally compelling as well. Make sure that there's teeth around your agreements as well. Uh, you know, ultimately, guardrails and discipline are, is one of the components of energizing your team, right? So you've got to know exactly what's expected of them and make sure that there's clear incentives. And those incentives are carrots and sticks.
You know, Dr. Steven, you know, we, we learned this early on in life. Our parents probably taught us this. And, you know, we learned the, the value of good behavior and we learned the consequences of bad behavior. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's not necessarily that we're treating, because sometimes, you know, you can think like, am I treating my, my team members, these adults, like their kids? It's not. It's actually an invitation to uh, ownership, people taking ownership over their own behaviors, their own actions. They're not just getting a handout. They're not just, they're not just guaranteed check in, check out, get paid just to show up, just to be there. We actually expect that when people are showing up, that they're going to deliver, right? It's, it's delivering. And that's what you said. It's in, you're measurable. It's measurable outcome. That's one of the first things we talked about, the first step. It's a measurable outcome. And so we're going to measure it. We're going to track it. We're going to report it. And we're going to meet about it. But we're going to do the next step, which is we're going to train and equip you. It's not just we're going to give you an expectation to hit this lofty goal and, and tell you exactly what you need to do to go get more you know, relationships in the community so we can get more new patients from outside talk. It's right. not just that. We're right. actually going to train on this. We're going to equip you with tools. You don't send somebody to the job with no tools and figure out how to put the roof on. You send them to the job with the materials. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to get back to the parenting analogy because you know what? It's our philosophy around parenting is we're not raising children. We're raising adults. Right? God already gives us children, right? So our job as parents is to raise adults. And we like to say, we want to raise the adults we want to hang around with. Right? So I think the same thing with my team. I unconditionally love my children and I want to approach them that way when I'm raising and training them, right? And training them and equipping them for excellence. It's the same thing with my team and my business. And my teams, with my teams and my businesses, I'm always looking at them like I'm raising the team, right? So yeah, I, I try to come at it with that same unconditional love, sometimes a little more challenging than dealing with your cute little kiddos, right? But at the same time, it's, it's about training and equipping and developing your people, right? So I say, train your people or smash your head against the wall, your choice, right? So this is where freedom lives. If your core values are like mine, which is peace of mind and freedom, you know, then train your people, train your people to be excellent, right? So they want to be excellent. It creates freedom for you. Uh, and it's what really creates scalability and durability. So if you're trying to take your job and turn it into a business, I hope this is can. This is probably convicting for a lot of docs right now. These are who quote unquote are too busy to train their team or they don't have time to train their team or, oh, my team's been around long enough. So it feels kind of awkward to train, train my team. Let me ask you a question. How's that going so far? Right? So I want you to call yourself out on that and say, how much time, energy, focus, and money am I investing in training my team? And here's what I have found without question, the best time, energy, focus, and money you spend as an owner of a business, okay, as the CEO of a business, there, it is the best money you'll spend. You'll get the best ROI on it. The second is marketing, okay? So if you think marketing's at the top, your perspective is mistaken, okay? So I'm telling you right now, the best investment of your time, energy, focus, and money for return is train and invest in your people. Sounds to me like an inside-out job, Dr. Steven. Uh, so... That is, uh, that is delegation methodology, step number seven. And step number eight is a system that Dr. Steven, I didn't always understand. I didn't always understand the true value or how to even leverage this. And that is the reporting system. Actually, how to take metrics and tracking and the reporting process to create a culture within the business where now that someone has been trained and equipped for them to truly take ownership 
for them to truly be accountable for me to actually feel the weight. Cause Dr. Steven, you can get to this point, training, equipping and still feel the weight. And this is where the weight really lifted off was when we started to document and report on the metrics and that they were being tracked because now their responsibility was now shared. It was actually transferred over to them when they're now responsible to be reporting it. So these are the metrics, Dr. Steven, the KPIs are the key performance indicators that are connected to the role, to the behaviors that we're tracking, that we're measuring. There's visibility, there's accountability. This is the metrics tracking and reporting system. Yeah, so much of the success downstream from from what we are talking about right now hinges on the ability to reference real data. You have to have metrics. You don't get what you want, you get what you measure, okay? so what matters gets measured. That's how we com- that's how you communicate to your team. This is what's important here, right? So whatever matters gets measured. And think about this doc as a CEO, this is about delegation so you can drive outcomes, the outcomes that you want, the specific outcomes that you want. Remember, they have to be specific, concrete, they have to be measurable, okay? So if they're measurable, they need to be measured and they need to be in a reporting system that comes to you. Here's the truth. CEOs have information flow to them. Okay. So you have reporting systems that are set up. You have expectations and agreements with your team that, listen, you're going to prepare these numbers and this is how we're going to prepare these numbers. This is how we're going to capture them in this, uh, in this reporting system. For example, we have our vital sign system and I want them to live here on our scoreboard and on our scorecards. And I expect to see these every Friday. This is going to be on a Google drive document. That's a collaborative document right? So you set up these expectations and agreements and docs, CEOs, CEOs have information flow to them. You need to be making informed decisions, not emotional decisions. I like to say, I don't have emotions. I have metrics. Beautiful. So good. And I think that's, that leads beautifully into step number nine of the methodology here for delegation, which is establishing meeting rhythms. And part of the meeting rhythms that are established, I know for me is the information flows to me at those rhythms. In, in those rhythms. I don't want information just flowing to me randomly. I want it done at specific times from specific people in a specific way. And one of the things that I, I really leverage is the, the flow of information to me, how it flows to me, when it flows to me, who's, who's it flowing to me, who's going to be there when it flows to me, what I do with it, and then the expectation agreement that I make of what I'm going to do with it and how I'm going to take that information and how that's going to flow. To me, that's all established in this rhythm these meeting rhythms and this meeting rhythm specifically that's established by you as the CEO. Yeah, it's the, the meeting rhythms are ex, they're They're absolutely a requirement of this, right? So you have to establish regular collisions, right? So regular communication and conversation, and it has to be set up in a way that it's proactive, not reactive. You go, you can't just have meetings when there's a problem, right? So People have problems because they don't have meetings, right? So they don't have preemptively set up meetings where in a regular rhythm, you are meeting with your team. So regular weekly team meetings, monthly meetups with each individual to review things like scorecards, KPIs, goals, and activities, uh, and quarterly reviews, quarterly meetups, et cetera, right? So make sure you have a meeting rhythm. So there's a forced function. We will have a conversation, right? We are going to talk about what matters. We are going to talk about metrics. And it creates such peace in the organization and such a culture when you have the meeting rhythm culture. And of course, that leads into the last, which enables you in these rhythms to accomplish methodology number 10 of delegation, which is to assess, right? So we're able to repeat or we're able to pivot. And here's the thing. We have to be open 
to pivoting. We have to be open to deleting. One of the you know things we implement is the stop, start, keep. Listen, sometimes you got to stop things. Sometimes you got to keep doing things, but you got to pivot it. Sometimes you're going to start some new things. But in order for us to know what to do, actually, we have to circle back around. And this is where we, we're assessing now. We're assessing, okay, so we set an objective for this month of X number of new patients to come from outside talks. We set up the behaviors. You're going to do these things in the community. We're going to develop these relationships. You did those things. We trained on it. We equipped you. We empowered you. We met on it. We tracked it. Now reported on it. We're meeting about it now. We're assessing. Did it work? Did it not work? Why did it work? How did it work? What are we going to do about that? This is that assessing. Repeat it or pivot. Yeah, absolutely, Dr. Beat. Well, all right. So this was a rich episode and clearly all 10 of these deserve to be unpacked on a deeper level. So that's a promise. We'll do a delegation series in the future. Um, ultimately, Docs, what it comes down to is the, deleg- the process of delegation is going to differentiate the life of an owner operator from the life of the CEO. Systems are critical. They must be in place. Team, having the right team of people around you and the ability to delegate to them. Delegate, then train them. Train them, then trust them. Trust them, then verify. All right, gang, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Remarkable CEO. If, if as we were going through this content, you're saying, really, I need some help with this stuff. We would love to help you guys. This is what we do in our Remarkable CEO program. So if you're interested in learning more, reach out to us because the essence of, of this program, of our message, is what the world needs now is chiropractic. And what chiropractic needs right now is more successful chiropractors. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. Remember, what the world needs now is chiropractic. And what chiropractic needs now is more successful chiropractors. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, share with a friend, and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with us personally, direct message us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Now go and be remarkable.